0: collective song has always been an incredibly powerful experience in my life and one that I think for a lot of different reasons, some of them economic and some of them cultural, um, have dwindled down so much over the last few centuries that we no longer really do it except in some religious contexts and it's become a song has become performative and I think that that's. Only having song be performative rather than experiential is a deep, deep loss.
1: Hi there, and welcome to This Is Why We Sing, a podcast with me, James Sills, that explores the transformative power and the transformative potential of singing. I'm a musician, a singing leader, and an author, and I'm convinced that singing can help us to lead happier, healthier, and more fulfilling lives. In this podcast, I invite guests coming from a number of different perspectives to talk with me about singing, to share their insights, their stories, and their inspiration. Today's guest is Priya Parker, and I'm so excited to share this conversation with you. For me, it feels like the perfect way to round off the first series of the podcast. Priya, in my mind, is the go-to person when thinking about gathering, and what it means to connect meaningfully as humans. Through her writing, her group facilitation, and her work as a conflict mediator, she helps people around the world, both individuals and communities, create collective meaning in the 21st century. She's very much in demand as a speaker and a broadcaster, recently appearing on Brené Brown's podcast, speaking at the South by Southwest Festival in America, And so I was so honoured when she said yes to sitting down with me over Zoom to talk about singing and gathering and how we might be able to do both of those things in a more meaningful way. I've been a big fan of Priya's work ever since reading her 2018 book, The Art of Gathering. So we discuss this and much more in today's conversation with myself in North Wales and Priya in Brooklyn. Enjoy. Priya Parker, welcome to the podcast. Wonderful to have you here.
0: Thank you so much for having me.
1: Yeah, it's great. It's great to connect. Um, goodness, there's so much I want to talk to you about. But there's the first question that I ask everybody who appears on the podcast, which is what song's in your head right now?
0: Ooh. Um, I have been listening to Brown Skin Girl a lot by, uh, by Beyonce. And I think Blue Ivy, her daughter, that, that is a song mm-hmm. that's been playing in my head a lot recently.
1: Yeah, what does that song do for you?
0: Um, <laughs> it, uh, it fills me with possibility.
1: Um, I'd be interested to know about your kind of relationship uh, with singing, like the singing, what role does singing have in your life, in your personal life?
0: Um, you know, it's it's interesting. I, uh, I grew up, I'm half Indian, half white American, and um, I grew up in a split household, um, but meaning my parents were divorced and they each remarried and every two weeks I would go back and forth between these two households. And so when I was at my father's house, um, they are Presbyterian and, and I grew up in the church when I was in that, that part of my um, of the two weeks of the month. And, and to be in church, uh, at least in the churches that I, that I went to, meant to often be in collective song. Um, mm. And for me growing up, Particularly in the church, it gave a um, a space where it was allowed. It was allowed to sing. It was allowed to, you know. I remember hearing scripture saying, "The Lord says it doesn't, you know, don't sound amazing or uh, sound amazing. The Lord says, make <laughs> a joyful noise."
1: Yeah, and, I'm down with that. That's that's definitely my thought too. <laughs> and so
0: and so, one one kind of strain or strand of song for me, came through church, um, and I think for me also, growing up in a, in a kind of many-truths household, many-truths household, some many-conflictual conflictual truths, for mm. me at church, it was in song that I felt the most connection to the divine. Um, wow. collective and- song, not watching someone sing, not not being the soloist, <laughs> but just sort of coming together, um, that, always, that was always very powerful for me. Um, and, and then I, I grew up, I, I played the flute um, in school, and I ended up in high school actually being part in the U.S. There's a very strong tradition of marching bands, um, oh, yeah. And so a little known fact about me was I was I was not only in the marching band, I was the president of the marching band.
1: <laughs> oh, I think is this a Priya Parker exclusive? I don't know if this is. Uh, um, I
0: have read this anywhere else. Fantastic. And <laughs> and then finally, when I was in college, I went to the University of Virginia and um, I it's in the south and in the, in the states. And it's a mm-hmm. it's a campus that was and still is very divided by defined by race and um, and I'm I'm biracial and I was very curious about all of these different communities um, that I both kind of th- that that seemed to be so separate from each other in college and I remember I always loved to sing but I wasn't particularly good at it and I tried out for a couple of acapella groups and you know didn't make it and then some a friend of mine said hey there's this incredible group that um, that takes anybody, <laughs> and um, and it's called Black Voices. It's a gospel group. Um, come with me to one of the rehearsals, and so I I said yes, and I and I went, and I ended up joining the the Black Voices gospel group um, and sang regularly in it for for two years, and it was this incredible um, welcoming experience into. For me, a very different way of of worshiping. I grew up very much in a white Christian context. I wow. hadn't been exposed to um, a black Christian context, and it was an ex- an incredibly freeing experience for me. Um, and also as a as a multiracial person in in the states, it was an incredibly powerful experience for me to, again, be, in song with hundreds of other people and learning new ways of, of learning, learning songs together of, of, of moving, moving one's body in, in into very specific rhythms that for me, some of the songs were very familiar because I grew up in the church and some of them were, were completely different narratives to songs that I thought I knew, but, um, but were seen and sung in a very different, in a very different way. Um, in that context. And so for me, I've always... Clearly, you you asked me the right question, James, because <laughs> I clearly have a lot to say about it. But to me,
1: yeah,
0: collective song has always been an incredibly powerful experience in my life and one that I think for a lot of different reasons, some of them economic and some of them cultural, um, have dwindled down so much over the last few centuries that we no longer really do it, except in some religious Mm -hmm. contexts. And it's become a, song has become performative. And I think that that's only having song be performative rather than experiential is a deep, deep loss. And I think when I look back at my, um, at so many of the formative experiences of my life, the ones where I always felt kind of fully alive and like having moments where it's like, this is something I want to be a part of, were kind of, Collective practices. So whether it's mm-hmm. softball or basketball, which I played kind of throughout my childhood, quite competitively. Um, whether it was choreographing dances with my friends, you know, in, in our basement. Um, whether it was, you know, memorizing Shostakovich, you know, while while as well as like thirty-two different line formations, um, mm-hmm. marching through, you know, the July heat in southern Virginia. Um all of those moments, when I look back, you know, when I look back at gatherings, when I look back at kind of what I think we can do so much better, they were deeply, deeply informative to me that there are really powerful ways to come together to, to, to do and to do collective work yeah, or and, joy. And, 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 and it's to
1: do with synchronicity as well, isn't it? It's about uh synchronizing whatever you're doing with other people and being being part of that of that flow of of the greater you know uh the greater kind of way of things I suppose
0: but also Um, with 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 plenty of space for individual expression right so it's not mm -hmm. just all melting into the blob there's there's right there's solos there's duets there's there's Moments where the strings are, you know, are, are, are raised up and the, and the woodwinds, you know, are, are, are kind yeah, of decreased. To the forefront. There's so many different ways to still have individual expression, um, even within collective synchronicity. And I think that's, mm-hmm. that, that tension is something that I've always been interested in and I'm, and really try to tease out in my, in my conflict work.
1: So we've mentioned that we've mentioned gathering. So, yeah, if you could maybe define what we mean, or, or rather what, what you mean when we're talking about gathering, and also why it's so important that we get it right.
0: So I define a gathering as any time three or more people come together for a purpose, with a beginning, middle and end. And so a gathering is really, it's an event. It's a, it's a moment in time. It's something that we are all doing all of the time, even during COVID It may have moved into virtual or other forms. Um, the Sofa Singers is one of my, you know, favorite examples of a COVID, <laughs> COVID native uh, gathering. Thank
1: you. Um, Thank you.
0: And, but it's it's really it's an event, and it's uh, and I and I it's not the same thing. A gathering is not the same thing as a community. Communities have gatherings, and gatherings can build a sense of community. But what I'm really trying to do as a as a group facilitator, which is my training and my background, is to look at this as something that can be improved, something that, you know, a wedding is a gathering, a funeral is a gathering, a town hall is a gathering, a choir practice is a gathering, a choir performance is a gathering, right? We're doing this all of the time. And I wrote this book uh, now almost three years ago, The Art of Gathering, in part because I was going to gathering after gathering and realizing that what we've been told about what makes gatherings work right? Whether what to focus on, whether it's the food or the drinks or the flowers or the logistics, it's not that they don't matter, but they're not usually the source of connection. And we haven't been trained to actually create gatherings in simple ways that put connection at the center of of the experience. And so I interviewed over a hundred types of gatherers um, from a choir conductor, to a, the uh, hockey coach of the, of the uh, Team Europe, um, to photographer to a photographer who has seven minutes with a head of state and has to figure out how to get the right shot with <laughs> 19 bodyguards in the room, um, and I asked them, you know, how, how do you create transformative experiences for people, and, and what can the rest of us learn um, to make our everyday gatherings more meaningful?
1: Right. And, and the thing that you, you kind of start off very early with is, is not confusing um, the category with the purpose. And for me, that was a real game, game changer um, and particularly relating that to my singing work. So could you maybe explain that concept?
0: Sure. I'd, I'd actually be curious to see how it applied to you. <laughs> um, Great.
1: Yeah. Okay. Well, maybe if, if you could maybe just explain it and then and then I'll, maybe I'll give you yeah, a of course. examples and flesh it out. Definitely.
0: So we tend to think that a, that a category and a purpose and a gathering are the same thing. So what do I mean by that? A, I mean, sticking along this line, a, a choir practice right, is an, is an activity, it's, it's, a, it's a category, a, a wedding, right, a funeral, it's not, it, it, and, and, and if anything it's an activity, but you can have a thousand different purposes within a wedding, you can have a thousand different purposes within a practice, is, is in, a, in a choir practice, is the underlying purpose to, for each time it may be different, to build trust, is it to build the confidence of the sopranos, Right? Is it to uh, create an environment where kids can feel safe trying different ways of being together? Right? There's a thousand different reasons that we do activities, and the best gatherers tend rever- to know. Sorry, go ahead.
1: No, yeah, and so what is it? And it's not about reverting to type and just thinking this is how we always do it. There, you know, and assuming. Exactly. It's choir practice. Everybody knows it's Tuesday night. Everyone knows why we go to choir practice. It, it, that, that's exactly. what we're getting at here. Right.
0: And, that, and that when you assume that it's a specific activity, we get really stuck in the form. Oh, a choir practice. Everybody lining up in rows, wearing red robes, and holding a scripture. I mean, I'm making this up, but depending on where your choir practice is in the world.
1: But
0: when you don't have a specific assumption of what it has to look like, Choir practice can look like a thousand different things, right? I mean, if you, I have young kids, mm-hmm. and recently had them watch *The Sound of Music*. Like choir practice mm-hmm. was skipping through a field, right? Learning, learning, learning your scales, holding a picnic basket, experiencing freedom that your father never gave you within the walls of a four, you know, of of a house.
1: So, uh, what what you're describing really, really resonates with me because in, in my work as a singing leader. I come across preconceptions all the time about what choir is. You know, on the one hand, mm. it might be wearing very formal clothes um, and singing, you know, like the Hallelujah Chorus, okay, mm. reading from sheet music. Or on the other hand, it might be something like Pitch Perfect, you know, where you're kind of doing backflips and singing in 10-part harmony or whatever, <laughs> um, And uh, which are both great. I mean, you know, I'll try everything. Uh, but but they're not the only um, kind of expressions of communal singing. You know, there are so many manifestations out there and there are so many more new manifestations that I think um, that if we think about it and if we actually apply what you write about in The Art of Gathering, you know, that we can create a singing experience that feels right for everybody. Um, and so, yeah, just maybe to, to give you um, an example, um, I think the about six months after I read your book and and... Um, was lucky to be at your workshop um in New York in two thousand yeah twenty eighteen. Uh, I set about working with my local pub. Um really fantastic local pub, draws lots of different people in from, from the area, has like big fire, you know, big open fires um, at Christmas um, and kind of wintertime. It's very much um like a hub for the community. Um anyway, I thought, well, let's bring let's bring singing into this into this space Mm. so let's um let's I I then started to think about well how might I I bring singing into this space that isn't okay you know this is going to be a a kind of a formal choir and where we you know like you say we we sit in rows and and it's very formal and I thought I want to reach people who like come into this place like feeling the community and actually might want to engage in singing rather than doing it the other way around rather than let's create a singing event and find people who might want to come if that, if that mm, makes sense. So let's bring folk. singing to these people who, who are already here. And yeah, and so then I started a monthly, um, I called it the Glyn, Ar- the Glyn Arms Pub Choir, just because there's a bit of a <laughs> shortcut. And people were like, okay, so there's a choir and a pub? Like, how is this going to work? And basically, in fact, it was the format that pretty much laid the foundations for what I do at Sofa Singers, which is we learn um a classic kind of song so i was very explicit about what type of songs so like one month it'd be like this is david bowie month we'll do one or two david bowie songs then we might do uh you know um some beatles songs or whatever so it's kind of classic songs um i don't put anyone in any kind of part so it's not like what voice part are you there's no solos like here's this harmony if you want to sing this harmony you know bring your drinks in um and actually it was part of the pub experience so the we were kind of in a room but then the bar encircled kind of the room so we had other people who were kind of drinking who would then just drift in and Mm. and join it and so it felt to me like I was it was kind of creating a new a singing outlet that I don't think the people who who came to pub choir would necessarily go out and join an existing formal choir right but because I made it kind of quite clear that this actually isn't about singing it's about being in you know in, in in this pub it's about um it being informal it's about celebrating song and having fun and that you know like at Christmas it was just like packed to the rafters and people would bring their kids and um yeah it, it was a really really lovely thing and it it was a drop-in so you didn't need to come every month so it didn't have the trappings of, of a kind of a formal choir where you have to attend a number of performances you know uh, rehearsals and then do a performance yeah. So I, 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 I don't know if, if that kind of fits in with, with, abs- with what you were describing there.
0: Absolutely. I mean, I think it's like your and if, you know, we can geek out a little bit for, for a minute on this. It, please, like so please, many please. of your choices were democratic, right? And it was this deeply empathetic sense, which I think is hard as somebody who is comfortable with song or who sings or who, who you know, wrote a book literally about, about song to have the empathy yeah. of the fear people frankly have and have been and, and and it's a relatively modern fear of singing kind of collectively and publicly and so even like yes. your design choice to to not assign parts tell me about that i think it's brilliant
1: right okay well this is something i've just been increasingly aware of like in my work as a practitioner because you know a, a traditional in inverted commas traditional kind of choir or chorus We'll divide voice parts up between soprano, alto, tenor, bass, and then there's further divisions um, according you know to, to the range of your voice. And, and then you're assigned a certain place. And then that then has its own kind of connotation. So, like, for example, if you're a bass, you won't often get the tune. OK, if you're a soprano, <laughs> you're often cracking out the melodies and whatever. Um, and so with that kind of comes that feels to me that to me that feels like baggage. So my my thought was okay so someone's coming into t- this pub choir right maybe they're a bit inhibited to sing um be- and this is an environment where they feel more comfortable so they come in through the door and immediately i say with a clipboard i use soprano alto tenor bass and immediately they'll be like uh, okay i'm out of my depth already mm-hmm. i'm not in sat down
0: exactly
1: <laughs> and i don't i don't know what's going on i don't i don't know oh my goodness like and and then suddenly there's just a there's you've created instant tension yes. where you don't need to um because I, I I guess kind of musically what what I'm aiming at for this is somewhere between, like a pub sing along, you know, or just you know sitting down with a guitar around a campfire, you know, and something that's very very organic. I wanted I wanted to have that feeling of kind of spontaneity and accessibility, but with kind of optional kind of peppering of here's a bit of a harmony if you that's want to and whatever. So, beautiful. So that,
0: and just to interrupt you, like that second layer, right? This is like such a beautiful design. That second layer is you didn't just say, okay, let's just throw out harmony. These people can't do harmony. You enter it in subtly and and in a what I would call a pro-choice way. Like it's pro-social. Yeah. People can choose and then identify without having to sign a clipboard of and commit to what they want to do in a certain moment. Yeah. To say those then it's this almost like invisible – invitation for those who have the gift of harmony to just add to the harmony without actually from the beginning creating either two classes or the singers and the non-singers and you center you center everybody by not having that clipboard and by just kind of teaching you know singing along but without but allowing for a very subtle invitation for those who can and want to to add the next layer
1: yeah exactly yeah and that that's that's what it felt like and, and it did become quite organic and you hear that term a lot oh yeah it was just really organic and yeah i mean organic can be great but at the same time i kind of did we have like a song here we've got these different sections and we, and by the end of the night we want that that kind of feeling of of, um euphoria when we sing the song together maybe a couple of times yeah so that i kind of i've got work i want to do here but i'm not going to be so prescriptive that i'm going to let all that get in the way yes if that makes sense absolutely um
0: and and i think and and the other thing with the (laughs) i was just going to say but you also made some radical choices you chose a theme right david bowie the beatles Mm -hmm. like you've made decisions like before anyone even enters which also simplifies and doesn't you know isn't totally overwhelming to any to people to say choose any song um you've chosen a couple of songs it also even if people aren't interested in singing they may be interested in like knowing oh interesting why is David Bowie so famous or why do the beat why are the Beatles particularly sing-alongable like you've Mm -hmm. you've made it easeful and you've made it interesting and then people can decide if they want to dip their toe in
1: and so is is this part of? Because I know a big part of your work is kind of spec. I don't want to say specific, but spe- yes, spe- being specific.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Tongue tied. Um, so that people don't have to work these things out, because you know we all have you know we only, we only have so much bandwidth, and if you're having to try and figure out these invisible rules for yourself, then then that can detract from the experience. So is it, what you're saying is because everything was quite specific
0: specific that it but then
1: kind of absolutely
0: mm. and, and what I would say in this case is the generosity of specificity and and part of the reason it's not specific to be controlling it's specific to allow people to kind to, to engage you know when mm-hmm. I when I did the research for the art of gathering I looked at different for, forms of gathering from all types of cultures And part of what I found was that in in specific subcultures, so like like Swedish families in northern Sweden, or Tamilian Brahmins in South India, or Javanese tooth filing ceremonies, that basically we have had many ways of gathering that are very powerful, particularly for communities who know the same lyrics, who pray to the same mm. God, who eat the same diet, who are born and live and die in the same plot of earth, and there are and so if you go to a um, you know uh, end of end of summer Swedish celebration, you know the same everybody knows the lines to the Snaps Visa to sing you know this drinking song that's often. It was sung in a specific way. If you go to a, Brahmin, a Brahminical red thread tying ceremony and the red thread is tied around a wrist at a specific moment in time and everyone bursts into tears because they all know what that symbol means and they all derive meaning mm-hmm. from it. And what has happened as we've right. modernized and globalized is all, you know, good things, more, but more human, I think maybe a decade ago, we crossed the line where more human beings around the world lived in cities than in rural areas, right? What does that mean? That mm. means for many of us, we we are forming new relationships. We're not living with the same people of, that you know from our ancestry. That our gatherings, in trying to not offend one another, and also because it's complicated, they've become vague and diluted. And right. so, what you did in that in that pub is that you invited for a specific moment in time, not forever, to ground the group in specificity so that they could have a common euphoric experience together without all having to be the same.
1: And with a pint of beer or a glass of wine in your hand as well. Absolutely. <laughs> Which for a lot of people, you know, if we're talking about people being inhibited about singing, actually might have just slightly eased them in. Um, so I guess I guess like the context of that, felt important as well you Uh, know the uh, fact it wasn't a pub and that it's a beloved pub
0: exactly and that and that it was sort of like this mix of new york new york magazine a wonderful magazine here has this like has this thing like high low like highbrow lowbrow like and and the mixture of the two and i think what what you did is you, you you were mixing contexts right a choir in a pub Right, mm. it's it's it's, sure, it's right. funny, but it's also it's allowing everyone to kind of like unbutton that one, that top collar, <laughs> that top button, <laughs> yeah. um, and I think you know one of the things that I looked at in my research was was collect like collective mechanisms that allowed people to be together outside of just having conversation. So like Snapsvisa in, in Sweden, which are like very specific singing songs that, that are a way that you, you know, I'm told that if you grow up in specific places in Sweden, you know all the songs, you know all the lyrics. In the U.S., we have some of this sort of equivalent, like The Electric Slide, um, which is a collective song that people may roll their eyes at. Um, but at weddings is one of the few times everyone can get onto the dance floor. The majority of the people can get on the dance floor and they all know the same steps. Or um, like there's a country song, I forget, I'm forgetting the words of it, it's like, don't break my heart, my icky breaky heart, I just don't think you'll understand. But oh like, yeah? You know, th- there's like steps to that song. The Cupid Shuffle, like there's a dance, there's a steps to that song. We have in different sub-communities ways to basically have an entire group collectively participate in a structure and that is a really deep source of joy and belonging and i think the the goal of modern life and the and the hardship is that we we need some new structures because we're all now mixing together which i think and as a product of that mixing is a good thing but it takes work
1: and it takes to kind of reimagine um old ways of doing things i guess is what you're saying you know it, it it needs us to be creative about the way that we gather but also then to create to create meaning you know in the 21st century i guess a bit like i don't know i i, I just <laughs> made me think about um about sea shanties did you get that yes. whole tiktok thing at oh, the beginning of the year
0: yes completely uh,
1: what 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 was your take on that
0: Oh, my goodness. I just I was so moved by them. And to me, I think it's such a powerful example of the of collective song and of modern remixing. So like, yeah, if you listen to that, just like first of all, like the ancient beat, right? It's like he's like he's literally yeah, just yeah. like he's pounding the table. It's like a simple beat. it as As far as I understand, it, these were like worker songs. They were time passing songs. There were songs sung yep. in part to keep a specific rhythm in like repetitive work, right? Whether you're wailing, or, mm-hmm. but there were also, if you listen to the lyrics, like songs of longing, right? Like one day the mm-hmm. when the when the tugging is done, when the tugging is done, we'll take our we'll take our rum and go. Or I'm, there were songs. So to me, it was like this beautiful example of a very haunting music that was about like wayfinding and passaging and being in this tunnel of covid together and then and then watching people around the world add their electric violin or exactly and 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 like the harmonies and 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 then like the cats you know the cat videos always a cat video like doing the techno (laughs) remix version like it was this moment of like to me great joy and beauty and also aching like the the melody and the actual notes was like mm. it's this deep song of collective longing but also of saying like we are in this together for this moment and we will sing
1: yeah and and it was just how organic it was i mean i'm not on tiktoks and i don't really properly understand it yeah me either um, but I just it really, really filled my heart with joy because it felt so organic, so spontaneous and just a, a, it felt like a genuine expression. I mean, you know, you, I, I see lots of sea shanties groups who kind of go out, you know, who like dress in all the nauticalia and they sing songs on the concert stage. And for me, uh, that's great because it's keeping the songs alive, but it's not really getting kind of to the core of what of what those songs are about. But actually, mm. the, there was something that felt really genuine about the expression of the way that that song, the Wellerman kind of just gained this global momentum and people were adding their own voices and it felt very, yeah, I don't know. It, 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 for me, it kind of felt more kind of meaningful in 2021 than it might be just, you know, four blokes standing up and singing it in a concert. Does that make sense?
0: I think that it, you know, like anything that goes viral, it hit, it hit a very, it hit a specific moment. Um, that then there was a I think there was a celebration also of of all of the different, you know, Zoom videos <laughs> being added and spliced in and adding harmony over Zoom at this moment where we were we are all like on one too many zooms and then seeing the creative mm-hmm. spirit, right? Of a again, a very simple rhythm. And if you like if you if you want to geek out on the music a little bit, it's also it was a it, like it's not a it's not an accident that it was a that it was like a worker song right which means like there's a collective beat it's a beat that's pretty simple to carry the song well yeah are, it's the, the right? unifying beat yeah the song the language is simple like i have young children they know the words to like the entire you know they 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 know the words to the chorus um and they learn them pretty quickly like all of these things sort of came together and it was, and I think TikTok in general during the pandemic in so many different ways have been repetitive explosions of joy and humor and just kind of like release. Um, And to me, the sea shanties is one of the like most iconic examples of, of, of that and of so much of what you write and talk about.
1: And it also goes back to what we were saying at the start of the conversation about how over the last couple of hundred years we've kind of lost that sense of collective singing and 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 part of that is because if if we look to songs like shanties and, and traditional music in 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 general if we you know look at it as kind of a broad category you know globally you know the musical material is, is such that people can join in for you know um without any kind of musical training without having have really heard it before you know they're very singable you know musically they haven't got a big range um quite often they might not have any harmonies or whatever and and so it lends itself it's a bit like you know the the songs that we sing to our kids you know a bit like nursery rhymes or whatever they're they're very very singable and therefore they lend themselves to this group participation And, and and you know what we've lost over the last few hundred years um is that that collective sense of ownership over the songs and it also another thing i reflect on as we were talking about it was that you know we were also talking earlier about the that need that kind of tension between the individual and the collective, and it strikes me that that sea shanties and, and traditional music I guess more broadly give you that perfect kind of framework, but also you know you know people can sing solos in the verses or they can kind of embellish it or they can add their own parts and so you, you're getting that kind of sweet spot between the two
0: yes. Yes, and, and in those layers of the videos, if you watch people adding on, I think his name is Nathan Evans, to his original video. Yeah, the guy in Scotland, the, yeah. yeah. That's part of the freedom of expression, right? They stuck to the same language, they stuck to the same lyrics, but then they started to harmonize and, and like the bass and the, yeah, like unbelievable. And they and they had so yeah. many different ways of, but still there was a collective agreement to to stick to the same lyrics, to stick to the same beat, to stick to the same song. So it's a wonderful example of that. Um, I think. I think also, you know, this loss of collective song. Some of it, it, there's a number of reasons for it. Some like our norms around singing have changed, and like who sings and who's worthy of singing, and 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 what the purpose of singing is. It's moved from a, a right. form of kind of time pass and 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 joy to 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 entertainment. And entertainment, not like let's all be entertained together by all participating, but entertainment, like there's a good, there are people who can sing with a capital S Mm -hmm. and then there's the rest of us. And I would actually put myself in the rest of us category. Um, Like I make a joyful noise. (laughs) And I was reading a book a couple of years ago um, called uh, Deep Economy by Bill McKibben. And he, I remember this quote, where some of some of the you know the the bar to sing in front of other people has been raised higher and higher. So in the 1800s in the in the US, the state of Iowa, which is actually where my father's from, had 1300 local opera houses. So in one state, literally mm. 1300 opera houses. Wow. All of them hosting concerts. Um where, and this, this is the quote, he, I, I pulled this up for our, for our chat, where thousands of tenors earned adequate if modest livings performing before live audiences, right? So wow. 1,300 local opera houses, which means, first of all, it was much more normal and ubiquitous to, to be an opera singer, like just very factually, right? There was literally <laughs> more jobs. They had 1,300 yeah. houses to fill, you know, right, multiple nights a week. And now, and and now, Iowa, I think, has one opera house, two opera houses. So the consolidation of who gets that one spot, right? Just frankly, economically, exactly. Mm. Um, And I think, and I think, part of what's changed is who we've, what we sing for, and who we, who we kind of deem worthy of song.
1: Uh, yeah. And, and I think so much of it, again, I think I mentioned certainly comes down to permission, like people feel that they need some kind of permission to sing. And what I've kind of reflected on is that if we've, you know, we've talked a lot about kind of singing specific contexts, you know, so, you know, choirs and um, where we come together specifically to sing. But if you zoom out from that, if I think about my childhood, um, singing was part of it but I didn't really think of myself as a singer at all you know I sung with my dad at the football matches at the top of my voice mm. you know because they were my team and I needed to sing for for my team you know and it was a it was it was that collective collective release I used to go to church in my village and I would, I would sing in church with my mum and with my friends and for me that was like a function of me being in the community yes um growing up in in a village and then when I got older um I uh, joined, you know, formed a band with my, with my mates. I remember there were three piece guitar, bass and drums and they didn't have a singer. And I was like, well, I, I might as well sing, you, you know, and, you know, like you need a singer, like, you know, <laughs> I might as well be your singer. And they were like, okay, yeah, great. You know? And so, and so, you know, I was there trying to sing Nirvana covers um, when I was 16. And and again, that was just like an extension of me being mates with these four people, you know? Yeah. And, and, and that's kind of, that's still the lens that I see singing through is that essentially I I think it can be for anybody it can be just an extension of the community that you're in or a function of that community and I think that's kind of the the lens that that I see my my, you know um, that I see my work through so for me there's never been this kind of huge kind of kind of chasm between you know between a kind of professionalized singer and, and everybody else I kind of just got on with it for about you know 20 years before it kind of I really realized the resonance of that but if I compare that to my kind of instrumental kind of journey um you know when I studied uh trombone through university that became because I was so that felt so pressurized and became very um you know there was a lot more pressure on that um in terms of technique then that suddenly became something else yeah and 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 something that wasn't perhaps as much from the heart and uh, and maybe competitive. But then I realized that's how people then feel about singing. So I feel like that there's still so much work to do.
0: I mean, I mean, <laughs> I it's think, great to
1: have other people like you batting, batting to my team.
0: <laughs> and I think that there's absolutely space for extraordinary talent. And I think there's absolutely space for, you exactly. know, thousands of hours of trombone practice, but it's not the only way. And I think yeah, part exactly. of Part of what we've lost, and not everybody and not every community, but, but kind of collectively in modern life in terms of like the public square, is singing as a democratic act. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, there's a, there's a wonderful choir here in New York called the Resistance Revival Chorus. And they, they, I, I believe their origin story was actually the Women's March um, in, in, in Washington, D.C., And one of their, um, and they sing and they've, they sung all through the, all through the Trump years. They sung at the polls during the Democrat, during, like during voting to get people to stay in line and vote. They, they, they just would just sing every context they could, they could kind of get, get to. And one of their quotes is, I think it's um, a Harry Belafonte quote that's actually from the civil rights movement that said, and I may not get exactly right, but I think it's, when the movement is strong, the music is strong. Right. And That's brilliant. and so it's singing is also like, as a facilitator, I, I I grieve, and I and I hope that it's not a permanent grief. I grieve that I've that that I don't have, like frankly, the tool of collective song in any context that I go into to help people open and close. Their gatherings. You know, my day job is still as a group conflict resolution facilitator. Like my act, I wrote this book, and I'm a researcher, and I write and I speak. But my day job is still as a dialogue facilitator for groups. Mm. And so, as a facilitator, like I use as any you know as any facilitator does, the many tools that one has to to try to bring a group together. And the fact that song is not in in some contexts, it's completely a, like uh, still considered something people do, um, but in many and at least in the states, singing singing is has has not has not in like non-religious contexts um, kind of transferred <clears throat> over, and and it's it's a real trouble that I have because there's so many ways. That song and collective song through singing, through experiencing, through listening, to being together in nonverbal ways actually heals a group. Um, Yeah. And so I really, you know, the the I think of you as a a, very much as a translator and as a bridge that's using your 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 voice to um, not just create permission, but to create real practice, whether it's the sofa singers or at the pub. To, to kind of remember that to sing is, is human um, yeah, and exactly. bringing back the small S of song.
1: Yeah. Well, thank you for saying that because that's, that is very much where I feel that I'm at with my practice. And actually this is the, the last um, episode of series one of the podcast and every kind of all conversations have pointed to what it means to be human. You know, um, it, it's a podcast about singing, but actually when we, when we sifted through everything in the conversation, whoever it's been with, it's been about returning to our kind of humanity and singing being a really important part of being human. Um, and so, yeah, well, I feel like we are kind of on this quest together, Priya, just, just give me a call. You know, if you need someone to lead some singing, you know, you've got my <laughs> number now.
0: Sounds great. <laughs> happy,
1: and, and, I'm happy to, happy to parachute in. And, and I think,
0: I think we're in this kind of very interesting transition space where as we've lost trust in institutions like the church or Catholic church or, you know, or in the States, uh, Boy Scouts, right, all these organizations are having these massive reckonings. We've lost trust in the government where we've lost trust in just mm. traditional institutions and, and 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 religious belief or church or synagogue or mosque is you know, going down all of these elements. Part of what has happened is the people who have been trained to do things like lead us in song or lead us in these collective mechanisms. The, like, we haven't yet found, we're in this kind of in-between period where, like, you're not a rabbi, right? You're not an imam. You're not mm-hmm. a religious leader. But but actually the service that you're providing is, kind, is like a democratic modern version of what mm. people, leaders within these sub-communities used to be trained for, understand how mm-hmm. to do. We're trained for generations around, had a very specific craft and source of pedagogy. And we're kind of, it's almost like the old system has been breaking down for you know decades, if not centuries. And I think of kind of the work of, of, of people who are bridging communities like yourself, kind of finding one sliver of what the meaning makers of old used to be responsible for and Mm -hmm. as we're finding new ways to be as we modernize are kind of distributed across pockets of people who are saying like let's still sing it doesn't have to be in that same old way you don't have to still believe that way or you're kicked out of the community Mm -hmm. but let's bring the song through that reckoning and let's find like new ways to do it together
1: exactly it's like it's a collective kind of remembering almost isn't
0: it it's a remembering with space for also invention
1: love that remembering with space for invention well look you've, you've mentioned the soap things a couple of times i can't let this opportunity pass without me saying a massive thank you for um for all of your support just before just before it started, I've actually just went through my Instagram messages that we exchanged, <laughs> kind of two or three days before it happened, and you you gave me so much encouragement and so many pointers, and you was like, just just do it. You need to, you know, you just need to make it happen, and and blah blah blah. And uh, you know, I can't thank you enough for that for that support because um, going 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 back to what we discussed earlier about kind of confusing. kind of category and and purpose at the start of lockdown when it was obvious we couldn't sing together a lot of choir leaders were wringing their hands saying oh we can't all hear each other's voice and harmonize Mm. Um, and I I thought well of course because we're on Zoom but actually you know on reflection we can still create a, um, a collective moment we can see each other we can synchronize movement on screen we know we're synchronizing our voices we can still create something that that connects us you know or at least we can give it a go totally. and, and that was what led, led me to do the first rehearsal on the 17th of march and we haven't looked back you know this is 100 and session number 115 this wow
0: week, I think. wow
1: the community is really really strong um but yeah so thank you for for the nudge initially <laughs> um but also for all the support as well you know you've been you've been such a support and I really appreciate it Brian. thank you
0: well you are so welcome and I think you know I I I saw it and I still see it as so powerful because you're doing what all powerful gatherings do which is you're responding to a real need right and you're mm-hmm. and you're and you didn't get stuck of like what it had to look like you 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 responded to a real need and you used your specific way of seeing and what you knew how to do to address that need and and People are responding. Um and I love seeing you take that practice and and the discipline of right your one hundred and twentieth one or whatever it is, and then mm-hmm. beginning to have a layer of pattern recognition to then host a podcast about what is this thing and why don't we do song mm-hmm. and why don't we use this more? and and not necessarily saying everybody join sofa singers though they can, but you're also giving permission for people to to remember kind of the moments in their life where perhaps as a child, perhaps as a teenager, there were a quote unquote appropriate places to sing, whether it's Mm -hmm. like new year's Eve and old Lang Syme, or if you went to a college with specific songs, or if you're from a, you know, a community and some people have family songs, but you know, we all have some, some memory of collective song, even if we don't use that language or think about it. And I think one of the things that you're really helping us all to remember is to is to bridge from that experience into whatever might be needed now and to really really take s- collective song seriously.
1: Right. Yeah, exactly. Kind of it's like on the one hand <clears throat> on the one hand take it seriously because it is because it is so important and it's so good for us, but on the other hand don't take it so seriously it, that yes. you put off from doing it. Take it lightly so,
0: exactly. Yeah, yeah,
1: so I feel I feel that particularly Sober Singing has been this very delicate ba- balance, this very delicate dance between, I don't want it to be, you know, kind of really wrought and over-earnest and we're all at home singing these songs together, yeah. but I don't want it to be kind of goofy and jazz hands the whole time as well. It's a very you know?
0: fine line you're walking. It's it a very is fine ve- line.
1: Yeah, treacherous. But no, I I, feel, <laughs> I, I I do feel that we've kind of found that balance, you know, so we have those moments... Um, you know, where we can be fun and really playful. But then we do have moments where we Zoom in and, and and what uh, you know, and, and we can kind of just appreciate the, you know, how amazing it is to have 400 people on a Zoom call all sharing their energy, you know. So, yeah, it's like many things, isn't it? As we've discussed, it is a, is a fine balance. Um, now, you were saying that everyone has these kind of moments in their life, you know, where they were part of a singing experience. I heard you on a Bren, Brenny Brown's podcast recently talking, or you mentioned it, but you didn't really go into it, about when you were at a Simon Garfunkel gig. <laughs> and and there was some spontaneous singing in the crowd as a response to um, Art Garfunkel losing his voice. Could you just tell me a little bit about this? I was so intrigued. I was like, oh, I want to
0: know more. Sure, sure. Well, it's funny. Um, she has <laughs> such a far reach with her podcast. Afterwards, I got DMs from people who were at that very same concert.
1: <laughs> really? Saying, wow. I
0: remember that moment. So it was um, it was years ago at uh, Jazz Fest in New Orleans, and um, I was there with my uh, then boyfriend, now husband, and actually my parents and my mother and stepfather. And it was this massive open field with I don't know eight or nine stages, and um, we uh, we my mother and I particularly always just loved Simon and Garfunkel, and um, we knew we we were. It was a huge field, so we it was kind of hard to navigate. But we knew we wanted to go to that concert, and mm. um, and showed up, and and they sang, and you know, it was it was awesome to kind of hear them and see them together, which I think was so so rare. And then during, I mean, you can't make this up during Bridge over Troubled Water uh, waters. Not
1: that song, really. Yeah,
0: um, Art Garfunkel kind of lost his voice. Wow. And he, um, and he tried a few times and then we could hear it It was just shot, like he was done. And, um, and it was a small like moment. And then the entire, like thousands of people just began to sing his words. And it was just like, incredible. It was just this, I mean, it was, it was a, it was an audience. It was a group. It was a gathering that kind of carried him through and then through that carried us through and it became this moment in part because he was vulnerable whether he wanted to be or not that allowed us all to step in and be part of it
1: wow i'm getting goosebumps just hearing about that sounds just incredible <sighs> singing is so powerful isn't it goodness me <laughs> um so you had art G- Gartfunkel's back that day fantastic okay well look um I've really enjoyed the geeking out Priya. Don't ever apologize for geeking out when we're having a conversation (laughs) about singing the music. I've really enjoyed it. Um, We have a podcast playlist uh, where I invite every guest to choose a song or some kind of vocal performance that's um, important to them. I wonder what we could add for you.
0: Mm. Um, Well, I will just say before I, before um, I, we close but I think, again, part of the reason we can geek out is because you've chosen something really specific. And so when you choose something specific, there's actually like an entire world behind it. Um, mm. And that I can talk with you about collective song for an hour and probably many more hours because there's actually so many layers. And you weren't afraid to just right. choose this thing and then realize that there's there's enormous worlds behind it. Um, a song for your... For your podcast, I would say um, I, I actually said this song uh, with Brene as well, and I to me it's such a powerful gathering song. It's uh, it's called "Come Along" by Cosmo Sheldrake. and um, it's this to me it's this beautiful song that um, has a very strange and unusual opening. It almost sounds like a like a massive orchestra at the very beginning, and then it's and then it almost feels like a Pied Piper kind of jumping through this is my imagination of it jumping through a magical forest Mm -hmm. kind of pulling everyone along to come to come come along um and and sing and dance and and um and 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 be together all night long until the until the songbird comes in the morning um it's a song he he actually i first heard him play live um years ago uh at a at a at a kind of gathering that my mother took me to, and I and the song just blew me away. And then and then years later, I heard it at a pub, sitting with my husband at a bar, and I said, "What is this? You have to Shazam this. You have to Shazam this. What mm-hmm. is this song?" And he and he showed it to me, and I almost fell out of my chair because I I realized it was this song that I heard years ago at someone's backyard that captured me then, and still captures me now. And I think it's just an incredible. It's an incredible. Incredible piece of music.
1: So, the final question is if we can take a life lesson from singing, what would it be?
0: That it is good and that it is good to do together.
1: Amen to that. Yeah, absolutely. Priya Parker, thank you so much for joining me today.
0: Thank you so much for having me. Good luck with all of this and thank you for what you do.
1: Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you. I think that's the perfect way to end this episode and the perfect way to end this first series of the podcast. Singing is good, and it's good when we do it together. 100% agree. Thank you very much, Priya Parker, for that, and for today's conversation, which is one I know that I'll revisit time and time again and keep finding new pearls of wisdom. There was so much in there and so much to take from it. So, Priya, thank you so much. If you want to find out more about Priya, about her work, about her podcast, about her book, then do go to priaparker.com and I encourage you to sign up for her newsletter. You'll find the link in the show notes and it's a monthly newsletter full of insight and inspiration all around the art of gathering. So do sign up. It's really something to look forward to arriving in your inbox each month. Also in the show notes, you'll find a link to the podcast playlist and Priya's Fantastic Choice by Cosmo Sheldrake. Not a song that I knew before, but it's absolutely gorgeous. So do listen to that and you'll find the choices by all of the guests from this series. So I want to take this opportunity to thank all of the guests who've given me their time and their insights for this first series It's been a real joy. And likewise, it's been a joy getting the feedback from people who've been listening and engaging through the messages I've received and emails. They are really, really appreciated. And I've included in the show notes my social media handles so you can get in touch. Please keep sharing the word about singing, that it is good for us and it is for everybody. So to help get the word out about singing in the podcast, you can share, you can review on Apple podcast. And do follow me on social media to find out about Series 2, which will be coming later on this year in 2021. Thanks very much for listening and keep singing. Bye for now.